Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our very own Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast. And you can find that along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. But right now, I'm so thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you, and might I add, the winner of our special contest, the Summer Beach Read category. She is Marcy Maxfield, and her winning book is titled M's Awful Good Fortune. Her debut novel, M's Awful Good Fortune, is based on her experiences living overseas as a tag along wife. Her play, Girls Together Always, a collection of coming-of-age stories about growing up girl, won the Encore Producers Award at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Marcy lives in Los Angeles, where she volunteers for Write Girl, a nonprofit organization that mentors underserved youth through creative writing. She is married with two children, a French bulldog, and two rescue cats named Hunky and Dory. And I am sure we are about to have a Hunky Dory time, so welcome to the network, Marcy. Hi, thank you for having me, Pat. Oh, gosh, I've been looking forward to this. I feel like I know you. Congratulations on the Firebird Book Award win and the Summer Beach Read category. Oh, I thank you so much. I'm very I'm so thrilled to win the Beach Read category and, and also the category of marriage because um, when I started out, I wasn't 100% sure people would um, get the fun aspect of my book. So it's great to have people in enjoying it on that level and and not taking it to not taking it to a dark place just having fun with the with the humor and i think that's what made it a good beach read it wasn't frilly that it was silly i mean there's obviously a lot of meat and seriousness to it but yet there was that light feel that i thought it was a perfect beach read myself and i have to say i was very impressed with myself that i was able to get your prize pool and the pump to you the very next day I know that was quick. That was quick. <laughs> I so know. much fun. That was just I don't know. It's just it's one of the highlights of the whole journey. Winning winning the Beach Read Award and also getting the pool. It's just so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> and I love that picture that you took of yourself and your book while sitting in your new pool. So I got this award in uh, for summer beach read, and we're at the end of summer, and it's a great way to cap it off. Oh, good. It has been a, a it's a journey publishing the book. And um, there's there's definitely highs and lows, and this it it it's like okay, my year is up with a really good fun um, moment. You know, as you're saying that, it reminds me of the word duality um, because it's fun and it's hard work. And I thought about that when I read your book title, "Awful Good Fortune." I mean, we've got the duality of that. You know, many things are awful and good at the same time, and then it also sets the stage for the whole duality of what one will find within the book. It just ties together. Right, right, absolutely. Um, the the title uh, really nails the book for me because uh, a lot of this is based on my lived experience. Of course, I've created characters and I've uh, been very loose. <laughs> I've been fast and loose with the truth, <laughs> but I, I did live this lifestyle. And uh, so I traveled to all over the world, uh, tagging along on my husband's career to Paris, Tokyo, Shanghai, and Seoul. And everybody said, you're so lucky. 
my every person, every person in my family, every person I was friends with, oh, you're so lucky. And yes, of course, it sounds fabulous. But, you know, here comes the, the awful part is there was some, there was a lot of sacrifice on my part to keep this marriage together. And there were jobs that I quit and there was community that I lost. So I think that, that, um, and on a, um, Deeper level, we're talking about marriage and compromise, marriage, motherhood and compromise, actually. And there's a lot of um, giving up to get what you want. So I think um, I think the, the awful good fortune speaks to the duality of the, of the book. Yes, absolutely. I also wanted to know why you chose to use the name M. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so, um, all right, so M... It really, I, I started this book as a memoir. That is such a good question. I started this book as a memoir, and I, but I was never um, all that comfortable with. I never used my own name, so I might have been using the writing in the, you know, writing with an I. Mm. I did this, I did that, but I never used my name, Marcy. And then I decided I needed to, to a name, and I wasn't going to use mine, so I came up with M, which is sort of like me backwards, M-E-E-M. And as soon as, and I was still writing a memoir, but as soon as I created this character M, everything opened up. I, I like to say she photobombed the book. She, it was like a fever dream. I mean, once I let go of um, really being um, connected to what she was saying and what was happening, I was so free to really get to the emotional core and just let her voice. I, she's very, she's fierce, she's funny, she's a gonzo character, and I'm not, not all of those things. I might be some of those things in my head, but, you know, in real life, I'm not nearly as fun as riding around with them. She's sort of an alter ego. I get that. I was thinking, hmm, I wouldn't M for Marcy and Maxfield. And then I thought, well, maybe it's a great grandmother's name. So I just was very curious about why, because obviously that, that was an important part of the title. It had to, had to be a well thought out reason why you would use the name M. Thank you for sharing that. That's a big share. Cause I could have just said M for, you know, my name's Marcy Maxfield. So those are the initials. Uh-huh. Really. Um, <laughs> it was, it was flipping me to M. <laughs> that was a big share. I like that. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Oh, my gosh. Before we dig into your book or about the story, maybe explain for those who might not know the meaning of an expat wife or a trailing right wife. What is that? Right. Um, okay. So it's uh, The term I use is... It's, for the most part, is tagalong a tagalong spouse. But you're right. There's the trailing spouse. There's an expat. An expat is somewhat different. An expat is somebody who goes and, and lives in another country and is probably going to work there and raise kids there. But a tagalong um, is somebody who's following their husband's career on a post, which is most likely temporary. And so you can think about uh, military posts and government posts and certainly corporate posts um, because we're in a very um, international world and business is con- conducted internationally. And so uh, when I would go to these countries, I really wouldn't um, – I would be hooked up immediately into an expat community of Tagalong, uh, Tagalongs. 
it wasn't it was not like cultural immersion. So my kids went to a um they always were sent to English speaking schools that were part of the expat community. But as a tag along the difference is that I'm really temporary. So typically I go I would move somewhere for one to four years, probably not learn the language even though I try to learn the language. Certainly didn't have working papers. Uh, occasionally taught English as a foreign language under the table, um, but was not allowed to work. Oh my, just kind of hanging out there, not not being able to really get involved with anything because then you're going to have to up and move. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of those issues in, in a moment. So maybe tell us a bit about the storyline, just so our listeners have an idea of what to expect. Right. Uh, well, um, okay. So I have this in front of me. I'll just read this and cause I'm working on, I'm working on some copy points. All right. M's awful good fortune is a gonzo travelogue into the heart and mind of a fierce, funny and engagingly flawed nar- narrator. So set against the backdrop of this expat lifestyle, Paris, Tokyo, Shanghai and Seoul, M's booming voice is the engine that drives this contemporary story about marriage, motherhood and dual careers. So this book follows M as she lives in four different countries for different amounts of times while her husband's career is moving up. Uh, every time the, every time they move overseas, her husband's career gets a boost and she quits a job. And then they, they're ba- based in Los Angeles where I was based and they would come home to Los Angeles and, um, she would immediately have to um, scramble to find another job, also knowing that job might be temporary. So her resume started look, to look like Swiss cheese. Yeah. And um, so there were a lot of sacrifices that she made just to make her marriage work. And um, there are reasons in the book why she, I think in the first, in the very beginning of the book, her husband gets walks in the house and says he's moving to, they are moving to Osaka and she has a full-time job and a baby. And she's like, what do you mean we're moving to Osaka? And she doesn't go because she's a career woman. And she says, okay, you go to, you go, I'm staying here. And their marriage um, nearly falls apart. So she realizes that in order to keep her marriage together, or she thinks in order to keep her marriage together, she has to follow her husband and go on all these posts. And her journey is uh, to reclaim her life, her voice, her life, her own passions, and to stand up for herself. Many women, I guess, uh, have that situation just on a very normal day-to-day, staying put where they are, trying to deal with issues like that. And then you throw in the fact that you know now they're they're traveling, and you're bring bringing children along. That had to have been difficult as well. Right. I think that, um, it was, it was hard for the children. I, and it's funny because there's a, there's a sense in the expat community or the, that, um, this is so good for our children because they get to see the world. And, and yes, that's true. But kids also need, um, familiarity and community and stability and family and all those things that, I mean, they had us. We did become a very close knit family because ultimately we were all we had. Uh, so that was good. But I do think that my kids would, certainly my daughter and probably my son would say, yeah, I could have done without all of that. Mm-hmm. But going back to the universality, yes, I think these are issues that 
um, that dual income families struggle with um, on a day-to-day basis. On a big, you know, on a more famous note, this is actually a story that's really uh, aligned with Michelle Obama. She was a uh, successful partner in a law firm and uh, gave up that career to support her husband's uh, political aspirations and ultimately to move to Washington, D.C. And while we know that she blossomed um, and became this completely different person, in the real world, when you're not on that grandest stage and you don't have all these, uh, it, it's hard to keep re- to keep um, recreating yourself. But it is something that happens. And I, I don't know... Uh, part of me was was in the book was really looking at why this happens and how quick, softly it happens. Like the, you make one decision and then another decision, and then all of a sudden you realize you've lost, you've lost yourself in this idea of keeping a marriage and family together. Mm-hmm. And um, part of me thinks that that also it was the journey journey for M to become flexible and to re um, imagine what her life could be. So this is primarily a women's issue. Um, I don't think there's many cases where you have a trailing husband. There aren't many cases, although it, it certainly I it was very rare in the years that I was doing this. It was very rare. But now we look at um, Kamala Harris's husband is a um, he's an attorney also. So I, I think it's not fair really to to um, make these comparisons to a White House life, because that's an extraordinary life. Right. These are regular people's lives. So yeah, usually it's the women who make these compromises. And it's also become like uh, during during the pandemic, uh, there were there statistically a lot of women who just left the workforce and didn't go back. So um, there are it's typically the woman who makes this decision. And on that level, I think my book is a cautionary tale because you can end up um, not just giving giving up your job. You can end up giving up your, your heart, your soul, your independence. I'm wondering, I'm, I'm betting there's a handful of women, though, who are in this situation and think, this is great. I'm just going to hang out and, you know, soak up the culture and do nothing. Yeah, there's more than a handful of women okay. that do that. Um, there's a lot of women that do that, and it, it. I mean, and listen, I. Um, uh, I mean, I had a blast in all of these countries, but I started writing um, in the early. So I always had, I always had a sense that that I had things that I was trying to accomplish. Plus, I, I became trained as a, I've got my TEFL degree teaching English as a foreign language. So I, while I was never able to be um, hired, I I always taught, I taught it in a volunteer capacity or under the table. So there are things that you can do to make this, um, to make this experience fabulous. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons why I wrote the book is that there's, there's a lot of books about how fabulous it is to go to another country and, learn about a different culture. And that is typically what the storyline is. But my experience was that there were a lot of women who were incredibly depressed in marriages that were failing and um, uh, children that were struggling. So what I thought when I was when I was there was, how come I never read any books about that? Mm-hmm. So I decided to uh, write a book 
that address um, the challenges of this lifestyle and also make it funny. Just thinking of so many of the hardships that one might not even consider because once you start to lose your identity and let's say that your spouse is constantly working and you've got depression, I'm imagining that infidelity can be a pretty common outcome. Yeah, infidelity is really common in extant marriages, but let's let's be clear. Infidelity is, like I think statistically, we're saying it's in 40% of marriages experience infidelity, and probably that's a figure that's underreported. Mm-hmm. So infidelity exists. And uh, I think that one of the things I wanted to do in, in discussing that, certainly it is um, <laughs> almost germane. It's common. It is really common in these marriages. Um, but I, and so I wanted to address it in this book, but it's also common universally. And, and one of the things I wanted to talk, to talk about was, um, that it is not necessarily the end of the marriage, that sometimes infidelity uh, is just bringing up a problem in the marriage that, um, that the partners can solve and work through. I was thinking that exact same thing, and maybe even more so in this kind of a situation, because you are, as a family unit, thrown into this strange life so that maybe you would tend to go back to each other and and work through that infidelity issue. Right. You're right. And also, because you're overseas, mm-hmm. uh, no, one, no one else necessarily needs to know about it. Right. So there isn't a lot of... Um, community shaming, like everybody knowing your business, because nobody knows what's going on if you're living in Tokyo. Um, just randomly, I pulled that out of my head. But um, yes, I think that uh, I think that there is both a disconnect because one half of this partnership is is um, not fully actualized, but then there's the idea that you you're all you have. You're this family unit that is is really um, almost codependent. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining that the husband in this given situation is just so busy doing what he needs to be doing to keep his job and to do it well, that there's not much time then to look back and say, hey, are you okay? And what can I do to make it better? There's just not enough, I don't think. No, not at, not at all. Because when they get sent overseas and, and there is an, I mean, there's, it's a big job. The company sends the family there so the husband won't be alone. That's really what they do. They said, but they really, they don't, they have no, very little to no resources to help the spouse, um, acclimate. Uh, sometimes there's language classes, so that's really great, but there's no attempt, there's no working papers. There's no attempt to provide you with working papers. There's not, you know, there's mm-hmm. nothing to help you, um, create your own life there. So, um, and, and the, and the part, the working partner is just, I'm so busy. You just need to handle everything. Yeah. So ultimately everything did fall on, um, Pam's shoulders. So you see her, um, you see her in a, in a, an appliance store trying to, trying to, trying to get her washing machine repaired mm-hmm. and she can't, she doesn't have the language skills and she's completely frustrated and she, you know, she talks about how she can't write a check. So she has to pay all of her bills in person at the, she has to go down to the, to the electric company or whatever and pay, pay the bill in person because she doesn't know how to, she doesn't have checks. So, I mean, a lot of that, we don't have checks anymore and we do everything online, but this is when she was living there. But I, I mean, I do recall, I'm just, 
the beginning of all of these posts, I mean, you don't have any language skills and you're going to the market wow. and um, you don't know how to say anything and you certainly don't know how to say, say how big or small piece of meat you want or whatever. Yeah. Well, things you wouldn't even think of. And then, no. yeah, if you have no one to share that with and you've got to do it all yourself, that's... Yeah. Well, you, for, for, for M, she went from being a successful... Um, I think her for in the beginning she was in she was in the market she was in the music industry so she went from having a career that she was that she loved and was successful at to being functionally illiterate mm-hmm. in it, it just like boom here figure it out and all of a sudden her entire life was spent trying to figure out how to how to navigate day to day things that we don't think about. Yep. Speaking of music, M has her own Spotify playlist. She does. Um, and what's cool about this playlist is because I was in the music industry, um, I, um, I, I decided that uh, M should think in song titles. And so I think there are at least 40 song titles that are just thrown in this book. Um, some of them are really obvious and some of them are more obscure. But so when I, when I went to do, I thought, oh, I should do a Spotify playlist. And when I went to do that, I, um, I pulled from all the references in the book. I love that. I just love that. That's such a special little twist. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a lot of fun and really helped sort of, um, it, it helped me create her character uh, to to do that. It was just fun. Oh. What about the cover, Marcy? I didn't come into this with any notion of what the cover should look like. So it, it, for your listeners, um, it is a red suitcase with uh, travel stamps on it from the cities that M has lived in. So that's Paris, Tokyo, Shanghai, and also Detroit, where M is from. It immediately is a travel story, but also the first letters of each four of these cities that are on that on that suitcase, Paris, Tokyo, Shanghai, and Seoul, are PTSD. Mm-hmm. And um, M is, part of the M's character is that she is a survivor of sexual assault, and that that informs so many of the decisions she makes about not wanting to be alone, about wanting to keep this marriage together, about wanting to always keep the family physically together. Uh, I think she's, uh, I, I threw that in there because, um, because this really touches, and this book touches on a lot of feminist issues, but this isn't a book about sexual assault, but this is a book about how sexual assault impacts women yeah for for the rest of their lives impacts their ability to live their lives to the fullest and sometimes how they make decisions and what their um, fears are and and how their fears um, impact them so I thought that would be um, an important thing to bring up especially because when I was writing the book um, people were saying, why doesn't she just leave this guy? And of course, leaving your husband is a very complex decision. But um, where I hung that was on um, the bigger issue of why women do stay um, in relationships, the fear of being on your own. Mm-hmm. Again, the whole duality where she lives such a colorful life and yet 
her background colors her life. Right. She clearly has. She clearly has. Um, she clearly has PTSD in the book. She's terrified of everything. Um, yeah. It's. It's also again. But in that scene, in the, that scene in the book, there's also the sense of um, the the police saying to her, "You're lucky. You you're lucky. You only got attacked. You didn't get killed. Um, or you you know you didn't you got attacked, but you didn't get raped." Um, so there's this sense of, well, how do we define lucky for women? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the base level of lucky for women in this country? Mm-hmm. Um, just so that, that really for me mirrored what was happening in her marriage. You're so lucky when she actually wasn't, um, she had, her marriage had been, her career had been subsumed by her husband's career. Right. So she really had to come out from under that and stake a claim for herself. Wow. What's the feedback been? What have you heard from readers? Um, I think that readers, uh, she, she's a little bit of a love-hate. I think when readers get the humor and they, all, they also get the seriousness of the, of, the, um, of the themes that are running through the book. Um, but, but, and that, I, you know, I, that's, again, why I'm so happy to get the beach read, because it is fun, and it's, people are telling me it's fun. It's a page-turner. They love her. She's a hoot. She's a riot. Um, is she flawed? Yes. Um, but she's relatable. She's a flawed, relatable female character. And um, so there are a lot of people who are really loving her. If you didn't get the humor, or I find that if you just couldn't, step aside from feeling from this jealousy of her lifestyle that you just didn't get it. There were some people who were just like, she really should be happy. She got to live in Paris. And if you can't move beyond that, then that's okay. It's not the book for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But most, I, most of the feedback has been super positive and, and um, the book has been winning awards in uh, uh, humor and marriage in women's issues. So that that really makes me happy because that was really what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. I set out to talk about some serious women's issues, but to make a fun read. Absolutely. I think you accomplished that with uh, with excellence. All righty. Well, as we begin to wrap up, anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? Oh, I have to tell you, Pat, I think we highlighted a lot of things I wasn't <laughs> planning on, on sharing. So I I'm think so- your listeners got the real deal here. <laughs> what we, what did you say at the beginning? It was a big share. <laughs> it was a big was share. A big I can't share. even remember. What, oh, me, 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 yeah. M. Yeah, oh, I love that. I really, I have really in other interviews up until now, I've been really trying to really keep it clean how I blurred the line between memoir and fiction, and, and I did. I but but that was a big share. <laughs> I have that therapeutic effect on people, I think. I think so. I think so. So, um, yeah, share any contact information. Where can folks find out more about you and okay. get a copy of uh, the book? Absolutely. So the book is available wherever books are sold, certainly on Amazon, certainly on Barnes & Noble. If you're in, um, I've got a big event. In, I don't know how soon this turns around, but I have an event in at Barnes & Noble at the end of August. Um, in Los Angeles, I should say that. Uh, but you can buy the book anywhere and everywhere. And it's also available in audiobook now. And people are, I'm getting great feedback on the audiobook. So it's available in paperback and ebook and audiobook. 
And you can find me on my website, which is just www.marcymaxfield.com. And that's spelled M-A-R-C-I-E and M-A-X-F-I-E-L-D. So I'm also, I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, but all those links are on my um, website. Excellent. All right, Marcy Maxfield and her winning book is titled M's Awful Good Fortune. Her website is marcymaxfield.com. Any new books in the works? I have one, but I, 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 I'm being really... Okay, I'm, we'll keep that quiet. <laughs> I'm being on the QT No more big shares from Marcy Maxfield. Marcy, thank you for today. I so enjoyed our time together. I'll always remember you and the picture of you in the pool. So I just, <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Pat.